Hello and welcome all you spiritual rebels, heretics, and consciousness revolutionaries out there. My name is Lawrence Gellian, and this is The Silence of the Mind, the spiritual podcast designed to get you results, to help you attain illumination and self-actualization in this lifetime. We are not believers, we are experiencers. We will be discussing how the process, the new teaching, is an inquiry, and much more. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to my channel, and thanks for listening. If you haven't done so already, please click on the button to follow this podcast. It would mean the world to me. I do urge you to send me a Facebook invitation, and that way I will add you to my list of friends as I regularly post interesting information for all my spiritually rebellious, heretical, and revolutionary friends. First of all, I am the founder of The Process, the new teaching that I am sharing with you in these podcasts. I don't want to concretize my ideas. The process is an inquiry, not a conclusion. I am learning as we go along. So you are sharing in this great adventure into a new way of spirituality. It is not my teaching. It is a teaching. Or we could call them in total the teachings. It is my deepest hope that the process continues after my passing, and that the spirit of inquiry continues to be the framework upon which these teachings are continually evolving. A conclusion can be a kind of death. Think of a lake. As long as it is fed by a source of fresh water, usually from deep underground rivers and streams. It will be living, full of fish, and healthy in all aspects. Really important is to remember there is movement and vibration in the lake. But when the source of sources of fresh water dry up, the lake gradually fills up with silt, an overgrowth of plant life, and slowly the fish begin to disappear. The lake begins to die. Eventually the lake dries up. All the water has evaporated. There is no more movement. The lack of sources of fresh water have dried up. This is frequently why people become physically or emotionally ill. We need fresh sources of the water of life. We need to be resonating. The fluids in our body must be in motion. My point is that the process is your interpretation of your spiritual life. 
So many people want to give control of their spiritual and personal life over to someone else. I know I could create a cult, especially if I declared something really bizarre and made up a set of rules that are extremely difficult to follow. But I have never in my life, and I never will, use my knowledge of spiritual group psychology to manipulate students. I have no desire to change you, convert you, give you a new book that you must slavishly obey. Rather, my goal is to help you to discover who and what you are. It's surprising, but almost all Zen temples require the taking of all sorts of oaths as part of being a part of the group. They even have a type of confession. Who would have thought that Zen could be so full of rules. Zen is so often portrayed as a path that each person treads himself or herself. But step into a temple and you discover bureaucracy and hierarchy, jealousy and jockeying for position. All sorts of groups give one explanation of the group's purpose and activities when you first show interest in becoming a member. They usually do something called love bombing. Love bombing is a technique a lot of cults use. In short, love bombing is to send one or more individuals to surround you with attention and caring sometimes flirtatious attention, sometimes involving outright sexual activity to make you feel like you have probably never felt before. In other words, to make you feel deeply loved and accepted by a group of people. For most folks, this state is nearly irresistible and these folks will continue to come to the group's meetings and activities to get more of this love bombing. But then, once you've signed on the dotted line, so to speak, they trot out their massive tome of the rules of the group. People take off their love bombing masks and reveal how deeply jealous and angry they really are. You see all the vying for position, with everyone scrambling for the guru's attention, and trying to get various ranks and titles, and seeking to displace people who truly deserve the position they have. Never underestimate the amount of jealousy that exists in any group, from a humble little church choir to a Sufi order with over 80,000 members. Frequently, 
people will read about a form or method or spiritual path, but then, after attending several meetings, they are already being indoctrinated into the rules of the group. Now, for most people, it is already too late. It is tragic how many innocent and vulnerable persons are sucked into leaving behind their friends, family, lifestyle, and even careers to qualify for the guru's approval in order to be part of the group. Many people empty their bank accounts and offer these up as gifts to the spiritual group or its leader. Almost all students yield up all their personal power and submit to the authoritarianism of the leader. Don't follow others. Write your own epic story. It is time for a new spiritual awareness, an awareness that sounds the alarm when people notice this sort of controlling behavior on the part of the teacher, guru, master, shakya, reverend, or whatever title they go by. I'm here to tell you that you don't need special robes, beads, crystals, green smoothies to be a spiritual person. That's just a uniform. Society is so shallow that they need you to appear in a certain way so that they can pigeonhole you. People want to know who you are, and they are only willing to give you a few seconds to show or tell them. That's why bikers have their typical clothing. Conservative business, another uniform unique to them. Hippies have a uniform. So do people who walk around all in black and have piercings and tattoos. The football fan, the NASCAR fan, the heavy metal rock fan, and the list goes on and on. Of course, generally, the practitioners of various interests will wear the uniform to tell you and the world who they are. You can usually easily spot the guy who drinks one wheatgrass shot per day, the yoga practitioner. Of course, the Amish have their uniform, as do Wall Street CEOs, bankers, young MBAs, the priest, the rabbi, the imam, the gym rats, the runners, military and militia types, and on and on. Dress however you feel and want to dress. It's fine if you like crystals or tattoos or green smoothies, but don't mistake them for spirituality.
you're making your life a work of art designed by you, for you, to express you, is an expression of your unique manifestation of the ultimate reality. Let people be puzzled by you. Confuse them. Don't make it so easy for them to figure you out. Make them go crazy trying to figure out who you are. Likewise, don't reduce yourself to a certain type of clothing. This is an insult to yourself and a capitulation to commercialization and social pressure. Do not feel obligated to act or dress or speak in a certain way. When I first started studying Sufism many decades ago, I had joined an ancient order from Istanbul, Turkey. Well, I began to start wearing the robes of the way the group looked in the 1700s when it was founded. I started learning how to speak Turkish. I started learning how to speak Arabic. I bought Middle Eastern rugs, pillows. I ate Middle Eastern food, played Turkish music on my stereo all day. But after several years of this foolishness, I realized with a great deal of shock and embarrassment that what I really wanted to do was to live the life of a young man of that generation. Sure, I was still interested in Sufism, but I also wanted to go dancing, listening to my favorite bands and various clubs, going to the nude beach, and yeah, continuing to eat Middle Eastern food because I love it, but also Chinese food, Italian and my bagel and locks every morning. So I left the Sufi group for a while. But when I returned, I was no longer a museum replica of a 17th century Sufi from Istanbul. Now, we all go or call professionals when we need professional help. If it is when we are in need of a plumber, a car mechanic, a dermatologist, a carpenter, a drama or dance teacher, a piano teacher, and so forth. Generally, if they have a good reputation that has lasted over many years, and even now we can read on the internet various reviews of their work, then it's generally safe to contact them. But yes, we should not be afraid to ask a teacher about their experience. If you, for example, are seeking a psychologist, it is normal to have a free introductory session. That's so the both of you can determine if you might be a good fit 
for each other. We don't hesitate to try out a variety of therapists. A psychotherapist or psychologist is a professional. A spiritual master or teacher is also a professional. They are asking and expecting you to put your spiritual growth and development into their hands. They often expect financial remuneration for their time and services. If you're not allowed to question a spiritual teacher, if there are forbidden questions, if you must bow down in front of them or even prostrate yourself in front of them or kiss their hand just to talk to them, walk the other way. This must become a new general view of spiritual teachers. In the 21st century, we do not consider ourselves fortunate if a teacher accepts us. We consider the teacher fortunate to have us as their students. This does not mean we should become disrespectful toward our teacher after we have made a decision to study with them, but we must never forget our own power, our love for ourselves, our respect for ourselves. Each of us is a precious jewel. We are not lucky to have a teacher accept us. They are the lucky ones. Don't we say that we should often ask for a second opinion when looking for a professional? No matter what type of professional you are looking for, whether it is a meditation life coach or a car mechanic, it is always a good idea to not only get a second opinion, but to ask yourself if you feel a good vibe coming from this person. If you feel that you are putting yourself in good hands, remember, each human being is unique, and one medicine nor method works for all. Spiritual experience is really nonsense. Most people think that talk about the spirit world is total nonsense. And yet, we love nonsense, especially in its form as a joke or when our friends act crazy. We love seeing people letting their hair down, relaxing, letting go of their inhibitions, and just acting nonsensical, or you can say crazy. We lovingly call some people in our lives, my crazy friend, he just breaks me up. People, when they're talking in their sleep, often talk nonsense, as well as some people on their deathbed.
In Sufism and Zen, we find an oral tradition that goes back hundreds of years. While some Sufi groups today can be incredibly orthodox, sometimes incredibly obsessed with formal titles and lineages and so forth, the greatest Sufi teachers frequently paid little attention to rules, dogma, titles, nor special diplomas that stated their lineage. Instead of all this formality, what did they do? They told stories, and often these profound stories were incredibly funny and incredibly silly. In other words, nonsensical. But hidden in these stories was a profound wisdom. In the teachings of the process, we explore the world beyond reason. Everything has Buddha nature. It is not like your body is a temple and there is a little Buddha inside. Your whole body has Buddha nature. Ego is an outworn method of perception. Evolution brought about the ego for certain purposes, but it's time to explore other ways of comprehension that go beyond egoic means of perception. It is time to continue our evolution and transcend our ego, not discarding it, but beginning to see the ego as another sense organ while becoming aware of our interdimensional reality. This transcendence of our egos is the next evolutionary step in our development. The awareness of which we speak is to be found in a certain way of perceiving the mundane. This perception is not something that is remote and mysterious, that requires crossing the Himalayas or climbing the summit of some mountain to find a guru. Interdimensional reality is found in the now. You must become a person of the moment. The realization of spirit often comes upon us when we are intensely engaged in tasks and activities that are meaningful to us. Spirit is elusive. It is most slippery when we attempt to focus in on it and capture it. Spirit is therefore not a religious formality. Although it can be the result of a certain religious situation, but spirit is significant and meaningful. So please continue your meditations and prayers if you wish. 
but do not mistake the map for the territory. What about the paper the maps are drawn on? A friend may visit Holland and send you a postcard with a pretty picture of a site in Holland. But that picture is not Holland. It is only a picture of Holland, a hint of Holland. You may want to learn how to drive a car, and so you may read a book about how to drive a car. After reading the book, you may have the opportunity to get behind the steering wheel and learn to drive a car. We ask you, how much does reading a book about driving a car resemble actually driving a car? The book can give you valuable hints and tips, but the book is truly light years away from the experience of driving a car. Do not allow yourself to be boxed into a web of religious words that you mistake for the real thing. Use the words as a guidebook, as helpful ways to process your experiences. However, do not mistake the guidebooks for the experience of being there. There comes a point in which even the guidebook must be thrown away and you fully immerse yourself into the culture you are visiting. Stop struggling after quote-unquote spiritual experiences. Students want to see lights, visions, and spirit beings. The treasure is in your own backyard. Live your life, for spirit is living reality. Live your life fully and deeply. Spirit is the condition of your life, the radiance of your existence. Spirit is the outline of the form of your experience and the shape of your life. I could write many words that would anesthetize you, make you feel pleasant and spiritual, complete with comforting thoughts and platitudes. However, my words would take you far from the spring head. Dare fully to experience your here and now. See the mystery as it is manifesting to you this moment through all your perceptions. See it. It is in front of you. Hear it as the music of the earth all around you. The divine who is expressed as everything is manifesting in the condition of all things. Enter the living world. Until the next time, 
peace. If you enjoyed this show, it would mean the absolute world to me if you subscribe to this podcast. I'm not selling you anything or even asking you to donate to Patreon because I know what this virus is doing to people's livelihood and income. What I offer, I offer to you for free. You can help our cause the most by just clicking on the following or subscribe button and you will never miss an episode of Lawrence Gallian's The Silence of the Mind. There is no reason not to listen to every episode of The Silence of the Mind. Mm-hmm.